Oh shit. Here we go again. What's up, ballers? We're back. Episode, what is this? Episode seven. Ooh, seven. Time, oh, yeah. Time is flying, bro. Um, it's just a two man show today. Me and Dougie, Jake and Dougie, doing it all on our own. Uh, the, the big guys out of the picture for the, for the night. <laughs> Mr. Hot Dog so, himself. Yeah. Man, must have gone deep this weekend. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got we got a couple good things on tap here. We're going to talk about our weekends first, a little recap, and then man, a whole bunch of stuff. We got U.S. Open preview. We got Canadian yeah, Open stuff. Big week, big week. So, uh, Doug, tell us tell us about your weekend round. Well, what's up, everybody? Yeah, Dougie's here. Um, had a great weekend in Houston. Been traveling a lot for work, so was happy to be back in town for, for two days. And uh, – <clears throat> Played an afternoon Friday round actually with uh, a couple buddies out at uh, where did we play? We played at Cypress Lakes Golf Course, which Ooh. is out North Houston. Um, they're actually their mantra is best greens and best public greens in Houston, and so usually they are one of the better greens. This week, uh, not so much. The course is a you know pretty easy layout. It's about seven thousand yards from the tips. I hit a lot of three woods and hybrids off the tee. Uh, had a lot of fun out there. Shot 77. All right. I think uh, a couple over on the front, a couple over on the back. Made a couple birdies. Um, but uh, got things going. I had about eight holes in a row where I should have made birdie. I was inside 15 feet for like – I was unconscious for eight weeks or eight eight holes. So that was nice. Nice feeling to have me back there. I didn't make any putts, which is normal. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's fun. Good, good little round out there on Cypress Lakes. It was hot. It was like 100 degrees. But – uh yeah and then yeah saturday morning i played uh complete opposite played at 6 20 in the morning first group off uh foursome out <clears throat> of wildcat we played the highlands and i shot uh 77 as well actually with uh eight over on the front and three under on the back three under on the back so uh my buddy zach who was playing with me actually told me at, at the turn he's like all right man new nine here and he was right. I, I kind of got, got got some rhythm going. I made <clears throat> actually I birdied both uh, par fives on the back, which is a little bit unheard of. It's not like a normal golf course where the par fives are all reachable. On the back, they're they're not really reachable. So um, I hit two really good shots. The one on uh, fifteen, which is the number two handicap, there was about one hundred and thirty out and hit it up the hill. And I knew it was close, but got up to it and the ball was sitting on the lip. So. That was kind of a cool feeling, a little tap in there, and then birdied 18 to shoot uh, 33 on the back. So um, game's trending a little bit in the right direction. Um, starting to get a little bit of a Gankus move in there. We talked about it. I'm trying to get a little flatter at the top with the swing, and then on the on the down through, feel like I'm really taking it to left field with my chest through. So um, I've had some had some success there. I've been hitting it pretty close on from my iron. So, yeah, exciting. We're, we're moving yeah. in the right direction, even though it's it's – Gonna be 103 all week this week in Houston, in Texas. So it's it's not yeah, great. I don't envy that. I don't envy that at all. <laughs> it, you you were sending me some texts though with the like, dude. I I I found it. I am just like, yeah. Everything's coming right out of the middle, right where I'm aiming. So yeah, I mean that, that's all. That's obviously a good feeling. I can't I can't believe you guys played Cypress Lakes though, because when I was there, that place was like a parking lot, the go track, like, right? Yeah. There was no the greens were fine. I'll be honest, the greens were fine, but there was no grass on the course. I was like hitting three woods, and they were rolling into hazards because it just I couldn't get it to stop anywhere on the course. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that uh, 
you know, as far as public golf goes in Houston, it's, I'd say it's kind of middle of the road. Um, you know, if we're going to be honest for our, for our viewers, I would say, uh, you know, I, I would probably say if you want to go play out there, I would do it. I would recommend playing one round or two. I mean, it just kind of depends on the course conditions. I guess that's, you know, how it is everywhere, but they do have the potential a couple months out of the year where they have their greens in, in really great shape. Um, and I, you know, I, I do kind of like the layout. It's a little bit um, more of a quirky layout where you're, you're hitting yeah. some shorter, shorter clubs off the tee. Um, and it gives you a chance to, 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 to score low, which was, which was fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, the bunkers were in terrible shape. There was a shot actually on number 10 was a par five. I hit my second shot into the greenside bunker and should have had an easy up and down uh, for birdie. And when I made my swing, my downswing, I hit the, like the lining from the bunker. So Oh, After, wow. No sand in there. Yes, I was a little ticked off at that. But, uh, you know, just certain things like that um, where, you know, usually the course is in a little bit better shape. But, yeah, I'd say it's, you know, a five or six on the scale of one to ten in Houston. And, um, yeah, it's it's yeah. okay. Okay, like, I, I would prefer to play a Wildcat, but we like to play somewhere different every weekend because we play a lot of rounds of Wildcat. So right. it, it was nice to get out there. Yeah, <laughs> what about yourself? Stuff. Uh, I, I played out at Lakes this weekend, so I played out my, my home course, my two buddies that I always play with every week, and then I had a guest out there, so my one buddy nice. was like, yo, let's get, let's get a little uh, uh, best ball. I'm like, okay, fine, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, we, we, you know, we start off, we, we play the first, and I, I made my buddy putt out like a, a five-footer, and he missed it to tie the hole. <laughs> he, he just smacks the ball. You're that guy number one, huh? Oh. Uh, well, you know, it, it was a slippery. It's a slippery green, actually. And so he was in a spot where I knew the putt was tough. I made him putt it. And he missed it, and he smacks the ball with the putter, you know, hits it basically into where the uh, maintenance shed is. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be a long day. But then, actually, he he and his partner, my, my two friends, Tyler and Adam, um, they just absolutely boat raced me and my guest. And so – we were playing the front, and you know how match play is. I think everybody – I love playing match play personally. It's my right. favorite format. Yep. Um, but you go – you try to do things that you normally wouldn't do depending on where the other team is. So, like, my, my partner didn't give me a ton of help, I'll be very honest, even though he was getting a lot of shots. And uh, I tried to hit some, like, crazy stuff where I probably – if I was playing stroke play, I would have just pitched it out. So, on the front, I kind of was all over the place. I made a couple putts to keep myself together, and then I, I played – the ninth hole, really, really good. Hit it pretty close, made it an easy birdie, and that kind of got me locked in. Um, nice. And what, yeah, well, well, I went to the back, and our match was over by 13. So we got done the 13th hole. Wow. Um, I know. We we had – well, it was – I'll be honest. I'll be, I won't name names. I, it was a one-man show. It was a one-man show. It was, it was a handicap match. It was 2v1, and I, I could not keep up with the, yeah. the other two. So we um, – we get done on 13 and, and then I sort of started looking at it like a stroke play around and made a, a couple birdies coming in and um, almost drove the green. We have two shorter holes coming in, which is actually really fun uh, at this course. Cause you know, if you're mm-hmm. down in a match, you can really try to drive it up on the green or, or get it really close. So I made a couple birdies coming in and um, kept it under 80. So that's for me, huge. That's three awesome. sub 70 rounds in a row. So yeah, it was, it was good. I wasn't hitting it as good. But I, my short game has been really good lately, so it's been very, very helpful. It's awesome. But, yeah, that was my weekend. I, I don't know what's going to come up for this weekend. I don't know how much I'm playing this week, but uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm actually uh, – so I'm, I'm headed to Dallas first thing in the morning tomorrow for a conference up there and uh, just found out uh, yesterday that our our company was given a foursome in the, the tournament that kicks it off, charity tournament oh. kicks off the event 
uh, Wednesday. So, and they're playing at the uh, Four Seasons uh, Las Colinas up there, where they where they had the Byron Nelson for the last you know twenty years yeah, before they moved to Trinity. Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to play there. I'll be definitely uh, give you some feedback on that in next week's episode. Um, so very cool. Weather's supposed to be nice, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. It's going to be a scramble, so I won't be playing my own ball the whole way. But uh, hopefully, we'll shoot 58 and win the tournament, and uh, <laughs> yeah, have have a good one. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, all right, you want to you want a re- quick recap on Canadian Open? I mean, there's really not as much to say as you would think, honestly. R- Rory won it next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. I, I had a couple quick notes, a couple quick okay. thoughts. That that's what happens um, when Rory putts right there, because right. the dude's like a Ferrari, you know what I mean? And he was on fire, ball striking. But you see him make a couple, you see him get really confident. Yeah, it's just like cascades. You know, he just starts making them in droves. But um, I thought that that was obviously very telling that he was feeling the putter, which I think is big for this week potentially. And then I think the other thing is that course was good. And I hope it he was there for a while. That course was think, really cool. Do you think that when Rory's at his prime and Brooks and DJ are, are at their best, you think Rory's better than them? I, I do. I think that if we're talking about like, I don't want to say skill level, I think Rory's more a total package than all of them, but I could never pick Rory, even at his best. I think that there is a mental thing that exists within Brooks that is too much for him to handle if it was like mm-hmm. a head-to-head kind of right. coming down the stretch thing. I don't know. What, what about you? What do you think about that? I mean, I think, I think Rory's the best player in the world when he's at his best. Uh, I mean, I think it's a very, very slim margin over Brooks and DJ. Um but I I agree. I think that Rory gets in his head where Brooks and DJ just kind of have nothing going on up there because they really don't don't give a shit. Um, and yeah. I think that that helps them, especially in in pressure situations. However, you know Rory's Rory's swing when he's swinging it well is just it's like watching poetry. It's beautiful. I mean, there's no better swing in my opinion. Yeah, it's the best one. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. But yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of Sundays round. Um, the Canadian crowds were, were great. Um, they were very, very, um, appreciative of everybody and up there, everybody being up there. It was a great field actually. Um, yeah, it was. cause of a tune up for the, for the major this week. And, uh, there was some good storylines actually, other than, you know, Rory won by seven shots. Right. Um, and actually was on 58 watch with like four to play and made a bogey on 16 and 18. But, um, Graham McDowell had to make a 30 footer on 18 to get punch his ticket to, uh, the British open, Port which Rocks, is at yeah. his, yeah, which is in his backyard and he's a member there. Um, and, uh, he made it and the crowd went wild cause they all knew. So that was awesome that, uh, he got to punch his ticket there. I also, um, obviously it being the Canadian, you know, major is they give a trophy out to the lowest, um, Canadian and Adam had yeah. won that this year. Um, so that was really cool. The crowds, you know, were going wild for, for Hadwin. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, the top 10 was Rory by, you know, seven shots. He shot 22 under, nine under on the final day. Uh, Shane Lowry and Webb Simpson. Webb actually had a hole out on 18 from the trap to tie for second. That was um, your pick, right? That was my, my pick. So, wow. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did great there. And then Sneds, Kucher, um, tied for fourth, and then Hadwin, Sung JM, Danny Willett, Graham, and Henrik Stenson uh, rounded out the top ten. So, uh, you know, great field. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited uh, excited for this week. Uh, yeah. So, Well, 
real quick, uh, two like what? Uh, maybe not even two. Sun J M. I just heard you say his name. I was thinking about this. This dude, I think is he might be rookie of the year, and he hasn't won. Like we have other rookies that have won, but this this dude is a top ten in a cut machine. He's been he's had a phenomenal year. Um, yeah, he's he moved up for into the top thirty with his uh, in the FedEx Cup with yeah. his uh, his win or his uh, result this week. He yeah, he's had uh, T three at the Arnold Palmer, T four at the Valspar, T four at the Safeway. Uh, so he's got so six ridiculous. six top ten finishes this year, a third, and then he's finished in fourth through tenth six times or five times. Wow. He's made nineteen cuts out of twenty eight events. So yeah, he's he's had a great year. He's made he's had a really you know, good two million dollars. Yeah, and then um, you said about the crowds, I couldn't agree more. The crowds were really good. It made the schedule change has done wonders for that event. Right, change of course, change in the schedule. Absolutely, they get a, they get a better field. And I got to be honest with you, like if you don't look at that and say, hey, maybe we should like think about putting another event in Canada if we could, uh, I would think about that. You know, that, that's a better draw than like something like Memphis, maybe or whatever. Even if you put a fall series event, you'd have to pick it the spot very, very carefully. Right. But um, yeah, I, I thought the crowds were really great. And it just it's kind of like what happened uh, with Bell Reef. Like St. Louis doesn't normally have a tournament right. when they had, you know, it was full packed to the brim. You know, switch a venue in Canada, get a better field, and now you have this like amazing crowd. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really really cool for sure. I mean, I I think that um, I agree. I completely agree. I think that they the only way they could do it with the schedule is do it like the first event in October because obviously after that they're worried about yeah, snow too because, cold and too much weather. Because right now, I mean, there's just packed events in there, right? Because there's majors every month, and then um, you know, last week before that was Memorial. Now it's the U.S. Open. And then there are a couple events. Actually, there's a new event in Detroit coming up in three weeks. And then the Travelers yeah, is, is cool. yeah, the Travelers is the week after the U.S. Open. So there are, you know, a couple events in yep. there where you could you could do something. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think that you know the Canadian Open was great. I mean, it was a great event last year too. They just played the event the, that course for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, now it's. It, I mean, it's it was kind of like when the uh, Houston Open was in. Uh, the week before the Masters, I mean, you just have a fantastic field because a lot a of great field because a lot of the people want to play the week before. So, for sure, yeah, cool. Um, you want to you want to go U.S. Open? Let's. Uh, you want to talk about the, US, the since we're going to talk about that, we'll also talk. Let's talk about the the Golf Digest report. Oh right, right, USGA report. Yeah, so I don't know for those of you uh, out there listening that don't know, there was this big um, report in Golf Digest. Um, that had a my one gripe about it is that it had a lot of players who didn't want to be identified. So a lot of the sources, if I think it's actually all of the sources, if I remember correctly, I, I read it a little while ago, um, are anonymous. But I mean, it was a, in a lot of ways it was an indictment of the way that the players at this point view the USGA and view the USGA's control over the U.S. Open and sort of the the vision of how they set that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, basically, they just assume that the USGA is full of amateur clowns who don't know what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, the, the report was, I found it to be fascinating. I, I got two things from it. You know, I got two things from it. I got the idea that, you know, the players, they might have some legitimate gripes there because there have been some very glaring issues um, with some of the setups. But I also got this weird feeling, too, that these players just, they don't like to be 
embarrassed by a course. They don't like to feel like they can't right. um, hit it right at the stick or that they feel like they got a, a bad break. They want everything to be completely fair. But I, I don't personally feel like the game of golf, it, it, even for the best, is completely fair. There's so many factors that go into it. Um, I, I don't know what, what you took from it, but that was kind of my final takeaway. It seemed a little whiny to me personally. Yeah, so I, I tend to go back and forth on this um, because I, I, I agree. I think the USGA does, does just a terrible job um, with not only course setup, but with just communication with everybody because okay. they, they make it seem like, oh, we hate the world. We don't want to tell anybody what's going on. Uh, we don't want to you know meet with anybody to talk about anything. It's just kind of like we're in our own bubble. This is our one tournament of the year that we put on. Right. And we're going to do it our way. And I think that that's hurt them in the past, um, you know, with some of the rulings um, like at Shinnecock and and other places and and like the whole debacle with Phil Mickelson running after his ball and like hitting it because it was just going to roll off the green. Um, So like their course management, I would say, is terrible to me. I agree, though, on the scoring like I. I I loved watching Rory shoot 22 under this week, but I like when the winner of the U.S. Open is one over or two over, because mm-hmm. like they have a you know a really really tough go at golf where you know they're they're basically playing more at like what what we would play every week where you know we shoot a couple over par and we're happy with it because their course conditions are just so tough with like the rough being really thick and the fairways getting narrow to like 30 yards. Um, I just think that they need to do a better job with communicating with everybody and also with just like common sense setup, like the green setup situation with Mickelson last year. Like the, if the greens aren't puttable, it's not, that's not fun to watch either though, as a spectator. So you need to like do a better job on certain things and then just cut back on other, other items. And you, you won't have all this criticism from the players and from everyone else that's watching, you know, the U S open. I, I agree to 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 a point, I think that you're that you're right. Like sometimes the course setup can get away, and, and but you know even with Shinnecock last year, I question like they they were definitely on the line. I'm not gonna lie. I think everybody knew it was very close, but um, you know with Phil's example, I mean he kind of knew. You kind of know that you can't be in certain spots, and if you put it there, you're gonna put yourself in a position where you might embarrass yourself because this course is right on the edge. Right. And like I think about um, the U.S. Women's Open, you know, and how great that tournament was. Look, those conditions were really hard. The greens were really fast. They were really, really firm. Um, people were on 11, right, that huge reverse redan hole with the big false front. Like people were getting ejected left and right. Right. I didn't hear not one female golfer come out and be like, you know, this, this is beyond – uh, um, normal golf and this is a terrible setup, you know, it, and I think that there's a difference there, right? I, I think um, you see it in the men's game because particularly the tour says, hey, we're setting this up so that you can blow the doors off of it. And they don't like when you can't. And uh, I had like a, a thought about it the other day where, you know, we always look at scores in relation to par, how many under or over par you are. I, I almost wonder, and I know this would never happen. This is just like a thought in my brain. If you said, all right, the U.S. Open is just total. It's your total shots, right? Go out there, and we're going to keep updating how many shots it takes you to play this golf course, right? Because that's the problem. Yeah, pros don't want to cool. make it. 
Right. They don't want to make a six on a seven. Right. Well, listen, if you're making a seven on a five and the rest of the field is making sevens and sixes on that five, you're not legitimately losing that many shots to the field, right? right? But it's all that number, right? It's a par five. I should be able to freaking birdie this thing, two-putt it if I have to. And it hasn't gone that way. And I think that, you know, that's part of it. It's also part of why you see certain players complain and other people, uh, other players not. Like, I think it plays right into Brooks's sort of I don't care attitude. Like, okay, the course is going to be hard. Okay, I might shoot over par. I don't really give a shit. If I win the whole thing, what what does it matter? Yeah. Um, but I did, it was just a very interesting thing. Go ahead. I, I did think it was interesting that they there was a, allegedly like 10 or 15 of them who were willing to sit yeah. out in 2016 and just like completely say we're not playing in this so that the USGA would figure it out. Obviously, that didn't happen. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting dynamic. And I think that the, the ties between the players and the USGA um, – gets thinner and thinner every year. And Especially with the rules changes too. Like right, that, right. It's been a big point of contention. Right, 100%. And, you know, they're playing for, I mean, they're playing for a lot of money every week, but they're playing for like $2.1 million for the U.S. Open, for the major winners. Um, and so I think just with that as well, it, it just, yeah. Uh, it's going to create an issue. I don't know if it's ever going to blow up, but it, it's going to getting to the point where you, we may see 20 guys sit out of the U S open one year so that the USGA actually figures it out or I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I, I do agree. I think that, you know, sometimes they do like, they did a great job for the women. I hope they do a great job for the men. I haven't seen too much um, from people's social and, and posts about uh, Pebble being way too hard right now. I did see some posts with people with the rough and they always do that, like where they drop the ball and it disappears. But I mean, some of that's just hit your fairways. Right? So, right. Like I, I you know, I, I think the, the rough is an example. Like, isn't that what that's what you're kind of asking for? Honestly, if you're a PGA Tour pro, right. like, your dream is to have a golf course where all you have to do is hit it straight and then hit it straight again. And that's kind of like the setup at Pebble is a little bit like that, right? We're going to make this as narrow as possible and we're going to make the rough really long and then you can play it from there. You know, and I, some of the setups that they've complained about have also been setups where they tried or, or courses even where they tried to do something different. Like I think about Chambers. I know everybody hated Chambers because those greens were clearly not very good. But the truth is, you know, the USG gets blamed for that. But that was a combination of a bunch of different factors, including weather. You know, right. And it did stink. But that course was great. And until they, until people got on the green, it was really great. And so I, I, I see where you're coming from. I hope they do a great job. I hope we see a controversy-free week this week. I don't know if we will because those greens at Pebble are really small and that rough is really long. And, uh, you know, that, that could be ejection central just because of those things. But I also think it's fine if one championship a year is that. Who cares? Like, I think that's cool, but that's me. I agree. So I think we'll, you know, we'll obviously have something to talk about next week and see if any issues yeah, come up. Sure. And, uh, yep, it's going to be interesting because it typically ends up either being on the last day, like with DJ with the three putt, when people were saying mm-hmm. that the, the greens at Chambers Bay were so bad, they knew that that's how the tournament was going to end with, with someone missing a short putt. And DJ yeah. ended up three jacking it there on 18 to lose to Jordan Spieth. And 
I hope that that doesn't happen, but there, you know, it could also be on the other end on Friday where someone gets a stroke penalty for something happening and it helps them or it makes them miss the cut. So there's a lot of, a lot of scenarios in play. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out the, uh, you know, all four days. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. So speaking of those four days, mm-hmm. uh, what, what are we thinking picks wise, man? What, what are you feeling? So I guess just for everybody that doesn't know, this week is the U.S. Open. It's at Pebble Beach out in California. It's, you know, one of the most historic courses in the world. I think it's always number two behind Augusta um, as far as how people know golf. And uh, it's it's not really a bomber's course. Um, You know, the people are going to be hitting less than driver off a lot of tees. It's more of a position second shot uh, course. So, uh, you know, Tiger won the 2000 U.S. Open there. Um, and I think the last major, was it a U.S. Open that Graham won there? Was it, yeah, or 2010 was it? U.S. Open where McDowell won. Okay, so McDowell won there in 2010. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think that this course is actually going to bring a lot of players into the mix um, because it's Agreed. not, you don't have to hit the fairway on every, or you, like you have to hit the fairway on every hole, but you don't have to be hitting driver. Um, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people like, like Tiger, I guarantee is not going to hit driver unless he has to, he'll probably hit it on a couple of holes, but, um, yeah, you won't see many on the, they'll on be, the he'll be hitting three wood, which he hits, you know, 290 yards anyways. So, um, a lot of people will be hitting <laughs> driving iron and, and three wood off the tee. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I do want to, let's point out the, um, power rankings. So, yeah, uh, Brooks, obviously number one, um, going for the three Pete. Yeah. Which three is time winner, maybe. So he was the second two-time winner, back-to-back, right. um, last year. And he's going for the first person to win three in a row. Yeah, uh, Rory's number two in the power rankings, obviously coming off a win. Coming off a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, Patrick Cantlay. I don't wow. know if he played in uh, Canada, but he would then also be coming off a win because he won in Memorial. Um, and then has a T9 and T3 in the first two majors of 2019. Uh, Webb Simpson's fourth. Uh, he was a runner-up in in uh, Canada. Uh, fifth, Phil Mickelson, who won here. He won here earlier in the year, didn't he? In their uh, regular event. Yeah, the Pebble Beach Pro Am. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, a completely different golf course, but uh, he did win on this layout uh, earlier in the year. Six is a, good for him. Right. I hundred percent. Uh, six, Tiger Woods, um, obviously the greatest player of all time. We won't have to talk about that. And then uh, DJ, Brant, Jason Day, and Matt Kuchar round out the top 10. Um, so, yeah, you know, what? To, I, we'll let you go first. What? To, what's your – who's your long shot? We'll, we'll go with long shots first. Who do you think? Okay, we're going, we're going to go long shot first. All right, my long shot to win this. Um, I think a guy that you could see – sort of just like bucking his head and being in the mix late would be Kevin Kisner. Um, That's a guy I feel like, yeah, I feel like obviously this is for a long shot. I I just feel like that is, uh, uh, um, so he's, you know, grind his, his whole career has just been a grind, right. To get to this point, he's got a couple wins. You see him pop up on leaderboards a lot. He just gets outpaced really easy because he can't hit it that far. And, uh, a course that brings in the ball striking um, and allows him to sort of like do the things that he does really well. I think uh, that's a player if he's on and he's been kind of on and off all year, I could see uh, him sort of like bucking his head. I, I don't, I don't think there's a long shot winning here personally. I think there's too much. Um, 
history and knowledge at Pebble with top players. And I think that it, it brings in sort of more of more of those guys. Like you said, there's the, the chances of winning um, extend further, but I still think it extends those, those top, that top chunk. Um, and I think for my actual, like my overall pick, I I've said for a couple of weeks now that I'm buying on this guy. I think he's trending. I think that this is a this is a perfect kind of championship for him to win um, because it's one of those things where he just got to get the ball in the hole. And sometimes Bogey's okay, and he's fine with that sometimes. I'm going to go with Jordan Speed as the winner here at Pebble for the wow. U.S. Open. I know you hate that, and that's part <laughs> of the reason why I took it, but that's what I'm thinking. I, I mean, I don't hate it. He, obviously, I've been a seller of him the last three or four weeks that he's played. He's kicked me in the nuts every round and and finished you know he's had some great finishes um i i just think that i'm I'm selling him again at at pebble only because the greens are small and a lot of that is going to neutralize his strength because he he's one of those guys that i just need to get it on the green and then i have a chance of making a putt right Right. from 30 or 40 feet right but i'm going to argue this you're you're totally right but who misses more greens and still scores better than jordan speed very few people, and a lot of people are going to miss greens. So, I mean, he's won here before, too. He's won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which the course is not even close to the same. So it's like, what does that really tell you? Right. But, you know, everybody's going to miss greens. And that guy is your one of your best strokes ga- gained around the green and one of your best strokes gained putting guys. He's been practicing it all year because he's been hitting it like shit until the last month. I, I just That's sort of part of why I pick him, too. I just think that it's a gritty thing. Uh, and it gives him a shot at, at uh, you know, not having to worry about his troubles, especially off the tee. So. Right. I like it. I like it. Well, yeah, you know, we'll see. Hopefully he's kicked me in the nuts yeah. for three weeks in a row. So he'll probably do it again. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with my long shot, who a lot of people say looks like me, is Zach Johnson. Ooh, ZJ sighting. Yes, ZJ sighting. Um, and then before I give my winner, I'm just going to run through a couple of the key pairings. Uh, so, uh, Rom Leishman, Rory McIlroy playing together, uh, Siwoo, uh, Ricky Fowler and Jason day. That's an interesting uh, one. They're playing the group right behind Rory and Rom. Um, and then, uh, going off actually on the other T same time as them is Justin Thomas, Kisner and Bryson DeChambeau. Oh God. I forgot that Kisner was paired up with Bryson that was yeah. my that's an, I'm an idiot I mean uh, I mean Kisner won you know a big event this year in the world golf championship so yeah but Kiz hates Bryson I think he's been paired with oh, him does three, he? three times in majors this year now <laughs> he's dead he's gone <laughs> um evaporated and then, yeah and then DJ Phil Graham uh Francesco Francesco uh Victor Hovland the, the, who got in in the qualifier is playing hey, with with he Brooks won the Cap- there last year. Yeah, yeah. So he's playing with Brooks. I think that I think Victor will make the cut, but I don't think he's going to contend. He's got to play with no. Brooks. Brooks plays a completely different game, and he's just going to get enamored with that. I think. But you know, good, um, yeah, it's good experience for him, and I think he's going to be a good pro. Um, and then, of course, uh, the goat is going off at five oh nine Eastern time on Thursday. Tiger Woods playing with Rosie Ooh. and Spieth, uh, That's a good pairing. which yeah, I think is going to be a great pairing. I really like Rose. I hate Spieth, but um, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be fun to watch the three of them. Uh, so my winner, I'm going to go with Phil. Actually, uh, I'm not back and forth. Yeah, I'm going to take Phil. Father's Day 
is Sunday, and that's his 49th birthday. So he's going to so get. Wait a second. Phil's going to win the Grand Slam, according to you. Phil's going to win the Grand Slam at Pebble Beach on his birthday. Oh my God! Wow. I mean, you could, if you could see my face right now, you would see how incredibly stunned I am by this pick. I can't believe that. Okay, he's, five, he's a five-time champ. So he's going to be the six-time champ. Yeah, it's he finished. Yeah, it finished T eight there in twenty ten U.S. Open. He won there this year already. It's just it's Phil's time to finalize the Grand Slam and and do it on his birthday. What 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 a better storyline! Talk about the ultimate middle finger to the USGA too. Yeah, after that awesome. after doing that shit last year and then making up a bunch of excuses and then basically c- consistently like dumping all over them to then win their championship. That that's that would be very Phil. I would agree. So that's my guys. Vinny, Vinny came through hot. Vinny went with uh, Siwoo Kim for yeah. uh, his long shot. Who okay. I guess he played pretty well. It's not really a long shot. And yeah. then uh, Vinny went with the old uh, Brooks Gapka to win the uh, U.S. Open. Very much like Vince to take the number one overall player. Yeah, uh, and he took him. He took him earlier. He took him yeah to win the BGA. Right. Yeah. Obviously, he's absent, so we're, we're going to let him fly on this. But if he was here right now, I'd tell him that was some bullshit. Um, yeah man you know what else last thing on pebble i love west coast golf i know that i mean you're in the middle of the country so it helps you a little but for me come home you know throw it on the tv go to dinner crack a beer like prime time it's it's great Uh, it is nice that you don't have to like wake up at 5 a.m or 6 a.m to watch you know the big the players that you want to watch on uh, you know pga tour live where like the first groups, Rory and Rom, they go off at ten fifty one on the East Coast, so you know nine o'clock, nine fifty my time, and then mm. so it's it's yeah, it's it's going to be a good good weekend. We'll see, um, you know, see what happens. Always curious to see who gets the better start. Is it early, late, or right. late early um, with the weather? I haven't even actually looked to see what the weather's going to look like out there. Um, I've seen it looks from, pretty clean. I've seen some of the practice round footage, and it looks like it's beautiful. So. Hopefully it sets up to be uh, be a great tournament. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. And Fox coverage, so you know you can watch it pretty much oh, online right. whenever and on TV whenever. I mean, they have like 55 hours of, of coverage this week. So should be good. What, uh, what do you think the final score is going to be? Over, under, five? Over, under. Mm, I'm going to go – I'm going to go – over, yeah, I think over. So you're saying the winner will be like seven, eight, nine under, something like that. Oh, oh, I see which way you're going. No, 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 no. I think it'll be closer to closer to par. I think closer to like par. Two, okay. Yeah, two, two, three uh, uh, under. Okay, I like it. Yeah. I would probably go the same way too. Yeah, so. I think it's gonna be very, very close to par. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah. All right. So let's see. We had some big picture stuff. Let me get my notes here. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Big, big picture questions. So yeah, I was trying to think of some questions for this week. And um, a couple weeks ago, I had uh, an interesting pairing. We'll we'll get to that. But um, the first one is, what is your dream foursome? I'll let you pick from any walk of life, Doug. You can pick, you know, actual golfers. You can pick other athletes that you know that might be into golf. You can pick whatever. Like family. I don't care. You go ahead. So uh, obviously Tiger. (laughs) Um, yeah. so you should exclude a tiger. That would have been smart. Good. No, uh, no, 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 no. Tigers and tigers in the dream foursome. Uh, he could caddy for me, you know, if he wanted, but, 
Uh, we'll put Tiger in there. Um, I think I would like to have uh, Mark Wahlberg in there. Ooh. Okay, and uh, just because I saw him in Entourage and he used to play in all his, you know, a couple episodes, which I, I think he'd be a cool dude to play with. Um, and then the other guy in my foursome would be Michael Jordan. Oh, you took mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because I think the banter between Tiger and MJ would be legendary. And uh, my godfather's actually gotten to play with MJ quite a few times. And he said he's got one of the most unbelievable bunker games out there. So I'd like yeah. to, like to see that in, in action. No, that's that's really cool. I, I have heard so many stories about you know Jordan um, on the golf course, and it just it seems like it'd be such an experience to go out there with like someone of that level. Who I mean, he's like a very decent golfer to right. you know good golfer. He tried to play minor league baseball, and he's like the greatest basketball player of all time. Like think about those things. That's crazy. Um, all right. So for my dream foursome, I went, I went like a little sentimental and then I went with, um, uh, some, someone that I'd like to kind of like interact with. So I said, I would want, um, Arnie. Okay. So I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd have Arnie. Cause honestly, that's my introduction to golf. In terms of like pro golf was my, uh, uh my grandpa talking about Arnie. My, right. my grandpa grew up in, in like a mid to Western Pennsylvania. And so, that was like their hero, you know what I mean? And uh, anybody's ever said anything bad about about Arnie? You can't. And I'd actually add my second member of my foursome would be my grandpa. So he got to play golf with Arnie. That way we could, you know, knock that out. Two birds with one stone. Bring them both back. Have them out there on the links together for for one quick round. I think that'd be cool. And then I was going to say MJ, but I'm gonna I'm gonna shift my thing. And I'm not gonna say Tiger either, even though I would have put Tiger in there. I'm going to shift my thing to my all-time, um, my all-time favorite golf swing, right? One of MJ's friends, I would say, um, Fred Couples. Oh, I thought you were about to say Barkley. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would say like Fred Couples would be my um, my fourth. That is my. I watch videos of him weekly, just because I'm just enamored with it's that so move. smooth that it, move it is, is so swing. sick uh and everybody says that he's like a really awesome dude so i, I you you took the goats and i took i took a little bit of a different pairing but you know we oh, can all like go it. out together you know you go out in front of us and you know <laughs> we'll tri- we'll switch at nine we'll exactly. get nine. you can take tiger and mj i'll take freddie and arnie there you go so uh yeah all right um anything else for this week you want to I, well, we're we're about to have a uh, guest star on from Surf and Turf oh, Golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really excited to to talk to Taylor Artman, who's the CEO and founder of of Surf and Turf, uh, which is kind of a up and coming, you know, another trendy brand. We talked to Camden last week, so uh, excited to talk to Surf and Turf. Uh, they were started in, in California, and now Taylor's here, actually located in, in Dallas. So. Um, excited to talk to them and learn a little bit about their brand and then uh, also finish with the, you know, rapid fire questions on him and, and get his U S open picks. Yeah, that's, that's going to be great. I mean, uh, always cool to have uh, like a, you know, an alternative perspective on, on some of this stuff too. And I know that yeah. that's, that's an interesting mix, right? The surf and the golf thing, right. You know, you see other companies that are kind of in the same vein. So it's, it's definitely, there's a link there for sure, which is cool. Absolutely. I, yeah. It's going to be going to be exciting. And, 
Big week this week. Ready, ready for the U.S. Open to start. Always fun to watch a major. So, um, you know, we'll see come Sunday what the storylines are, and, and I'll be ready. Sounds good, dude. All right, everybody. Thanks again. Stay tuned. Uh, Dougie will be on with, uh, with Surf and Turf in a little bit here, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy U.S. Open weekend. What's up, ballers? Welcome in. Episode 7. Huge episode this week. We got Taylor Artman in from Surf and Turf Club, up and coming uh golf lifestyle brand um excited to have them in they're uh close close brand to our heart here at wildcat and uh i know we talk a lot about wildcat on on the podcast um so we're excited to have taylor on to talk about uh kind of his vision and and how he how he got into the the game and and how he came up with this brand uh taylor thanks for coming on man yeah no problem no problem thanks for having me doug yeah, yeah, we're we're happy to have you. So, uh, Taylor, why don't you tell tell everybody kind of a little bit about you, uh, your history, how you got into the the game of golf, and then uh, you know kind of how you came up with uh, with surf and turf. Uh, so, you want me like my personal how I got into golf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we everybody likes to hear how they kind of came into love for the game. Yeah, like any other avid golfer, I uh, my dad got me into it at a young age. Okay. Uh, and then um, he used to take me out to the golf course when I was little every day. And uh, the golf course, of course, back then, times were a little bit different. Um, like, um, I was in a small town, Oklahoma. My parents would literally right. drop me off at 9 o'clock in the morning and picked me up at 5. And it was my babysitter with, like, 10 other kids out there. <laughs> so, like, nowadays, that would be, like, you know, probably – child abuse or something but uh, that was just how it was. It, was safe. it was safe back then uh and we would you know like we'd hit flop shots all day or like play for snickers or whatever and we got right. we got decent we got pretty decent at golf and then uh you you played golf in, in college correct so kind of was your goal to be a professional golfer is that what you always wanted to do or yeah i always wanted to um i mean well first i wanted to play basketball in north carolina like michael jordan but uh <laughs> after i realized that i and uh, then I wanted to be like, uh, you know, Payne Stewart or something. Right. Awesome, man. So, so you ended up going to college to play golf. Um, where, where did you do that? Uh, so I had an interesting college career. Um, uh, my high school and junior career was pretty good. I mean, um, like I was kind of a late bloomer. I was, I was a small kid for a while. And then uh, as soon as I grew and I was like 16, 17, uh, I won like our state am and I won an AJGA and um, awesome uh, so, some pretty big events so I yeah. so I got um, kind of on the radar a little bit uh, and I was, so I was gonna go to a big 12 school um, but at the last second uh, things changed um, and so the out of state tuition my, my scholarship was changed so the out of state tuition was out of the question Um so I had to go uh, to another school. And so I actually chose – I went all the way away from D1 and went to a um, Division two school in Oklahoma because uh, I was comfortable there. I had three okay. high school teammates that were already there as well as, like, three guys I played junior and high school golf with. So I went there. Um, uh, it's called Northeastern State University in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Uh, Carrie Underwood was there when I went Oh, there. wow. Wow. Yeah, dude. that was when she won American Idol. And That's then, awesome. Uh, yeah, little known fact. <laughs> and then, uh, 
then after that, I was pretty miserable. It's uh, it is a not a great town. I loved right. my golf team, the coach. I loved everything. Um, uh, in fact, like some of my best friends in the world were on that golf team, but I was not happy. So I transferred uh, to um, the best school that I could go to by far. Um, that was that actually recruited me out of college, and I, I actually turned down. It was Oklahoma City University. Okay. And it was an NAIA school, um, but it, like they're one of the best golf programs in the in the country. I, but at the time in high school, I wanted to obviously I was stuck on this you know Division One thing. Right, right. Um, and, and then I waited too late, I, so I took Northeastern State, and then but so then I transferred to Oklahoma City. I went there, and uh, yeah, that's where I finished up. Nice. So then, uh, you so you graduated college, and was you know the goal then to to go pro? Did you try to play on the mini tours? What what was kind of the the path forward from there? Yep, um, I had a, a pretty good college career, I'd say. Um, my freshman year was good at the, at the first school, and then um, and then I I kind of slumped a little bit. I had some wrist issues, uh, but then my last few years we won two national championships. Um, and then I was, oh, uh, strong. yeah, yeah. I was, um, honorable mention all American one year and then, um, all American one year and first team all tournaments, uh, my senior year, let, you know, led the team my, my senior year. Awesome. Um, at, uh, nationals. So that was, that was a fun deal to kind of go out the last event, uh, played with some great players, uh, a couple guys on European tour and challenge tour right now, as we speak, they, I mean, it, it was fun. We, we had a great team and we could play with anybody um we uh so then yeah around that time um i knew i was going to play professionally um uh, there was a lot of guys that i had known a little bit ahead of me that were playing that were making it i knew i could compete with you know that i'd just been kind of you know in the same ballpark as them for a long time so um and it was my dream so i turned pro um, my first year uh, went pretty well, really, um, compared to most out of college. I, I made every cut. I think I played four mini tour events and a couple state opens and made every cut. Um, not, not any, like, great finishes, maybe like a 12th or 20th. I don't know. I, I wasn't anything special. Right. But uh, I, I think I lost money. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, then I, I, um, I had some school to finish. Like bare, like a little bit, and then so I went back and I finished school, and I assistant coached for two years. During that time, I hurt my my shoulder, which is a bummer, and I was never really the same after that. Um, I fell uh, off a ladder thing at uh, at a game at the state fair. Oh, no. That's a long story. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but, uh, I'm coming off yeah, a shoulder so, uh, injury uh, myself, yeah, actually. <laughs> Yep. So long story short, yeah, I, I struggled a little bit there, but then when I was coaching, um, I, you know, I was still playing enough and those, you know, those same teammates I had before, uh, they graduate, uh, you know, right. while, while I was coaching them, they won, they won a national championship. I guess we won one, but the players won it and, you know, um, so they won a national championship and, uh, then I watched them go on and they're, you know, they're playing European tour and web.coms and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can play with these guys. So I need to go back out there and play. And so, um, I went back out and played, uh, there was a pretty 
humbling two years after that coaching <laughs> two years. Um, right. Uh, yeah, I just I had trouble getting it back, and then uh, and and then, and then I started getting it back a little bit. Um, my shoulder was it was bad ever since that one day. Um, and then I played decent uh, here and there. Had some good tournaments, some good events. Um, you know, like, but never. You know, I never won any money lists or. Never won any right. big events or anything like that. Uh, I got, I got my PGA Tour Canada card, but I uh, didn't do anything with it. And that was about it. And then um, around that time, I, uh, of course, during this whole time, I moved to California right after uh, college and after right after coaching, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I decided to take it seriously and play golf full time. And I said I had to get out of Oklahoma. I had to go <laughs> to warm to warm weather. Right. <laughs> There's a common denominator here, and these people do not do snow that are on the tour. <laughs> so, Unless you're Jason uh, Kokrak. He's like lives in Cincinnati yeah. or something. <laughs> exactly. So I went to California, went to Palm Springs. My uncle was out there, um, introduced me to some people, got me set up at a club there. Uh, met some of my best friends, um, you know, at that club. And in that town, and that's still my home, my, my second home, I guess, if you will. Or, right. Um, you still spend, I, I have spend a time out there. there. Yeah, I've I spent um, six or seven years out there uh, for at least four months of the year. So usually between four and eight months, and then I go back play the summers. Uh, you know, the best the best development tour um, is is kind of over in the center of the U.S. in our neck of the woods. Is the, right. Is the, all pro tour it used to be the Adams mm-hmm. uh, or tight lies. Um, that's by far the strongest tour. So um, I'd go back for that for the summer and then Q school and, and whatnot, and then go back to California um, for the winter. So nice. I, yeah, I did, I did that. And then during that time I met some guys and um, I was actually back in Texas. Uh, I, moved, I moved to Texas. And split, I split time between Texas and California instead of Oklahoma and California for a while there. Um, and my roommate, Michael Martinson, who's, uh, who's a part of Servant Serve now, he and I went out actually to play a two-man deal and then play some events out in California for a while. He went back, uh, stayed out there. Uh, you know that, that kind of deal, my buddies? I, uh, I invested in it, and, I, and we're going to go get our LLC, and, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try this deal right yeah. and he was like and he was like really and i was like yeah and so at the time it was a social uh a, a social club or so, social service so um so what it was it was like a country club without a golf course and so like what what the draw was is okay if you're a young professional um that moves out to california uh you know where the cost of living is higher and everything is right you know more expensive you cannot afford to play uh, to join a country club or even to play regular golf, really. You still want to be a part of something. You still want to be able to play in certain competitive events or at least be a part of a social group that has to do with mm-hmm. golf, um, whatever it may be. You know, get a handicap system, you know, handicap. So, right. so what, their, what their original, my buddy's original idea was is the Surf and Turf Club, and it was going to be this, um, you know, social membership. Um, we offer some events. And, uh, and, you know, you play, and it was really just a community building. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything big and lofty. Uh, I, and I think they knew that, um, it was going to be, you know, a, a kind of a 
a deal, kind of a, you know, uh, so, sorry, I, I had been out there a few years before this. Um, so I knew all these guys and then it was, you know, kind of like during the time I was back in Texas when I started it. And, um, during this time, like, well, leading up to it, my sister and I, my uncle's in the, in the apparel industry and my sister is a very creative person and like mm-hmm. big in like fashion and design. And, um, she does interior decorate, you know, she's like one of those. Right. Uh, right. Not, and she and I, we wanted to start an apparel company, um, and actually, it was going to be something that you could uh, – we were going to kind of fix a problem that we thought there was in the golf industry. And that was um, – but there wasn't something that fit in on the golf course, like, in a professional manner, um, but could be worn off the golf course by not just golfers, but non-golfers alike and women and kids and stuff, you know, and anything like that. Right. Um, I mean, so maybe more of a three-wear brand. As- Right. If you went as broad as Nike, sure. But, uh, but I, I think like the image we were drawing, um, would be more like Travis Matthew, I guess, but uh, more inclusive. Okay. So, like, like, you know, they don't have any women's apparel. They don't have any right. kids. Um, it's a little bit different and their golf apparel is more like play after work. It's not like, uh, you know, tee it up in, uh, you know, and you know, you're not playing uh, right. for money in their apparel. And so, um, that was kind of the image and uh, the goal we had. Well, the problem was just like everybody else, we all have million dollar ideas when we're driving down the road. Right. And, yep. um, but nobody ever does anything about it. Yep. So, yeah. So we, we had an issue. We couldn't think of it. Like there was name logo, you know, I'm playing golf. You're, you know, you've got two kids. Like who's really, <laughs> who's gonna run this? yeah, exactly. Well, I, I joined my buddy's club um, just to support them, and they sent me this package. It's got this card, whatever, and this shirt. And on the shirt, it's got this logo, and it says Surf and Turf. And I was, uh, and, and I was like, Surf and Turf. And, I, and like, I'm looking at it, like the logo, and I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is, the, this is the apparel brand right here. And it was just like a T-shirt. You know, it was an Imperial T-shirt. They just right. got screen printed, you know. Um, and so, like, I went to him and, uh, you know, joined the, joined the deal, whatever. And it wasn't very long. Uh, I went to him and, and I said, um, you know, they, they had started to put the logo on a couple other things. And they were, you know, going to host an event maybe at the – but granted, there was no LLC. There was no company. It was just kind right. of an idea with some friends. And I said, uh, I would love to um, – be a part of this but i think we should go like a apparel first uh i went to my buddy jordan and um and the, and then him and one other guy and the other guys kind of were out but you know they had a lot on their plate uh both were recently married um you know kid on the way etc right so they were out so uh the three of us we stuck it out and we um they, they said okay let's go so we made it an apparel brand first and then we thought the social club would come second um, you couldn't do it the other way around. And so from that moment on, uh, we formed our LLC and we started surf and turf golf, course to coast apparel, um, on one side of the umbrella. And on the other side is the surf and turf club. And awesome. that is, and that is where we began. And I saw, I think I saw on your website, you guys, uh, either partner with a charity or have your own charity. So every time somebody buys something, is, is that, uh, did I read that correctly? 
Right. Yeah. So, uh, so we're not a nonprofit. I always have to make that clear. Off of that. <laughs> um, like we're not a nonprofit. We're just trying to be a little bit different than the rest. Like it is okay to give back to the greater good. Um, and, uh, you know, run a profitable business. Right. And, um, and, and I think anytime that you have access to a microphone or a, you know, any type of voice that reaches people, you need to use it for positivity. You know, like in today's day and age, we see a lot of the opposite of that right. in my, in my mind. Agreed. Um, and I, I think that you need to use it for positivity. And so with that, we have a, uh, initiative or a campaign called the course to coast for a cause. And so within that is a, is a few different things. One is every month, um, we give back 5% of our online sales um, to a specific charity. And, um, most of these are a local charity. So, um, like an individual rather than, uh, let's say the American cancer society, even though we have given to some larger, um, right. You know, organizations like that. Um, there was like a, a brief stand there for a while. We had to kind of restructure our business and everything like that. We put a pause on it um, just because we had to. But, um, yeah, then the second or second and third parts of it is we kind of use different um, way like avenues, I guess, or ways to raise money um, through it. So maybe a certain item. So, for example, all of our camo hats, we call it the Delmar FOH and uh, five dollars of every one of those hats sold at 15 percent off retail or higher uh, goes towards Folds of Honor. Uh, so that would be an example. Um, yeah, and then, and then, and then the third way that we raise money is we host events, um, and then raise money that way. Like, for example, we actually raised, um, about $7,000, uh, for a family in right there in the desert, uh, that were tied to us in many ways, um, both through, through friends and loved ones. And then also, um, his parents, his name was Gus Luna. His parents worked at two golf courses there in the Coachella Valley, uh, that we are close to. So it, it really tied into the servant turf community. And, um, that was a cool deal. We hosted a, an event yeah, for awesome. them. Yeah. Donated. Um, we, we kind of put, pulled out all the stops for that one. Um, unfortunately he passed away last year. Um, but that, that was, you know, that was another way that we, we kind of go. So yeah, we, we have that aspect of the business and we don't plan to stop that. Um, it is unique. Um, it's a pledge to give to give back. Um, we do it in different ways, but we're not nonprofit. So, you know, right. it's funny. It's funny <laughs> to me. Um, we, you know, sometimes we catch uh, we'll catch hell like one. Why are you giving back when you're a startup? Whatever. OK. Um, and then two, you know, well, I can't believe you're only going to give back this or what. And it's like, well, we didn't. You know, I don't know. I don't I mean, really. No, I, yeah. I think that... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, OK. But you didn't say anything to anybody else that didn't get back. But no, it's a, it's 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 one of those funny things, and um, it's something we're going to stand behind. Uh, we catch more flack in the way that you know we shouldn't be doing it, but I don't. I completely disagree. If you if you're going to have a um, microphone, you need to use it. I agree. I think that's a great uh, great initiative, and and that's that's pretty awesome of you guys because I don't think a lot of people you know do that anymore either. They're either trying to trying to make money only or they're trying to, uh, you know, they're a nonprofit like you were saying. So, right. And I think there's a balance in there. Um, that, I mean, that, that, there's a balance, uh, right. uh, for sure to be had. 
I agree. So, um, you know, with that being said, that that's pretty awesome background. This week is a pretty big week in the, in the, in the golf community, the U S opens this week. Um, what, uh, what kind of your thoughts about who's going to win out in, uh, in, you know, at the, the third major, the USGA is probably going to win. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see who I got. Uh, man, that's a good one. I'm, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I think he's playing. I'm gonna go with Abraham. Answer is he playing? Okay, honest Abe. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm sure he's got to be in the field. Let's. He's got to be. It's top fifty. He's in WGCs. He's got to be in it. And that's you know he's in it. I saw him on Instagram. He's in it. He's he's at Pebble. I, I'm gonna go. That's my pick. Uh, I love it. Abe or Tiger? Those are my two okay. picks. You yeah. think uh, you think there's going to be some big controversy with the USGA? I was having this conversation with uh, Jake, who's one of my co-hosts earlier, and uh, you know we were reading. Actually, there was an article that was published um, oh, about a week or two ago about how a lot of the tour players were trying to uh, protest the 2016 U.S. Open. Um, there was like 20 guys that, like, including Rory and DJ, that were like almost didn't play. Just because they're so fed up with everything that's going on, what uh, what what's kind of your thoughts there? Then Abe definitely would have won. <laughs> but no, uh, man, I don't know. The USGA, they're it's interesting. I understand what they're doing. They want to make it tough. They want to make it unique, all that. But um, they they sure kind of shoot themselves in the foot. I think um, you still like gotta let the just chips fall how they fall. Uh, right. I don't. I don't. I don't really agree with sitting it out. I don't know what good that does. Um, Cause then, you know, I don't know. That's a tough one. I agree. I th- so hopefully I'll get in the U S open one day and I'll be in that situation to, you know, tell you where I stand on sitting out or playing. I'll probably play. <laughs> so with, so with that, actually, I saw that there's been, uh, you know, quite a few up and coming mini tour web.com guys that have been, Wearing the surf and turf brand was that kind of one of the things that you wanted to to do was get the brand out to to up and coming pros or were you thinking more this might just be for you know kind of the the day to day golfer when you're getting started? Um, I think well I think the surf and turf club when it first started was more for the day to day, but actually as the surf and turf golf dream kind of began and everything and we wanted to build um, like our mission kind of became to uh, you know create uh, apparel that apparel and a brand that inspired others right and so i think through that we wanted to let people know that we understood their perspective and we had a we have a big big part of our mission is to create a community and i think through that community we have to use like the community that we already have and we have to stand behind the people that are going through what we went through um and why we you know one kept dreaming but two you know kind of fell back on this etc and why we did this uh, in the first place. And so, you know, to stand behind all the guys that we had been traveling with, we've been playing with, playing against that were not getting recognized by the brands with the powerful images. Right. Um, I think that that really, uh, it, it resonates with a lot of people. And I think that um, it shows kind of just our background of our brand. I mean, I, to my knowledge, I believe we're the only brand that everyone that is tied to it. Uh, from the core, you know, beginning or, or um, any type of like ownership or, you know, direct belonging to the brand, we're all professional golfers or golf professionals. Yeah. And so I think through that, um, yeah, we really want to make a 
a point to stand behind the guys that are still out there fighting, still dreaming. You know, yeah, when awesome. when other people aren't giving them anything, uh, we we want to, or you know, or at least do the best we can, and then promote them. You know, like champion our friends that are doing some. People don't realize, like you know, I love when we get messages. Why don't you post a real winner of a tournament? You go win a mini tour event. It's freaking <laughs> hard, man. Are you kidding me? You know how good this guy just played? Like, I mean, give me a break. Yeah. You know, go back to your freaking closet. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's just great. So, you know, to champion those guys that deserve it. I mean, they're working harder than, you know, harder than anyone because they haven't made it yet. And then not only that, but to, you know, to show respect and admiration towards our, you know, the PGA of America and those professionals that, you know, like I said earlier, whenever I was a junior golfer and I got dropped out, dropped off the golf course with the right. 10 other kids, I forgot to mention that there was some assistant pros and stuff in there that were then unpaid babysitters really for, you know, they were getting paid for to do other things, but not to babysit us. And they babysitted right. us and they taught us the game and they, um, you know, they, they taught us how to behave on the course. They taught us, you know, everything from games to play to uh, how to score. And, uh, and I think that there's something to be said about the PGA of America members uh, as well as those that are still chasing their dream to, uh, you know, we can't become the best golfer that they can be. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great take. And I, I, you know, I, I was never good enough to, uh, you know, try to go that route, but I had some friends in college and friends now like Garrett that, you know, were on many tours for a long time and, and successful, but it, it's just really tough. You know, there's so many great, great golfers out there. Um, it's a, it's a tough business. <laughs> there is. There's so many guys that people haven't heard of that would just drill the people on TV. Right. I mean, like, you know, my roommate, Michael, I mean, I will put him against most guys uh, on the big scene. Uh, any day, anywhere, you name it. You know, there's a lot of guys like that um, that, you know, they're just that close to making it. And uh, when they do, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna do some big things. Gonna, it's all about just making it. And right. it's about that, you know, it's about that um, the road that they take to get there. Yep. It's a, and it's a tough road. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Very. Well, with the last uh, last couple of minutes here, we, we like to do, uh, you know, like a rapid fire session here at Breakfast Ball. All right. Uh, so I'm going to ask you eight or nine, you know, kind of either or questions. And then at the end, one question that you can elaborate a little bit more on. You ready? Okay. All right. So first one we ask all of our uh, guests on is Tiger or Jack? Tiger. Love it. I love Next it. Next question. Next question is, will Tiger pass Jack? Yes. All right. Love it. Would you rather win one PGA event and miss a hundred straight cuts or make a hundred straight cuts, but not finish in the top 10 in any of those events? I'd rather make a hundred straight cuts. Okay. Uh, are you, you like to walk or ride? Next question. <laughs> 18 pars or nine birdies and nine bogeys? Nine birdies, nine bogeys. And win some skins. Okay. Uh, spike or spikeless golf shoes? Spike or spikeless? Yeah, like do you like the like the new like the rubber sole shoes with no spikes on the so bottom? Not, not metal spikes. Not metal spikes. Uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I like spikes. I don't like to slip. Okay. Are you a visor or a hat guy? Uh, 
Yeah, I'm bald. <laughs> uh, and then uh, flag in or out when you're putting? Dumb question. Out. Uh, if you flag never helped a good putt. I agree. And then last question is: if you had you could change one goal, uh, one rule in golf, what would it be? One rule in golf, what would it be? Whew. Uh, I'd make the course a lot shorter. But <laughs> uh, no, man, one rule in golf. Huh. That that is a. Um, I get to take longer on this one. I don't want to take much longer. <laughs> um, okay, so what do, about do, do, we had uh, we had a guy on last week and we talked a little bit about um, like changing the game a little bit for the pros compared to the amateurs, mm-hmm. as far as you know, instead of having to lengthen golf courses to like eight thousand yards, which is kind of where we're headed, is dial the golf ball back or do something with the the technology. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um. You know that that's dumb. So uh, so because you know that you don't hear that in the NBA when you got these guys that are right. running faster and ever jump. You're not going to raise it 12 feet. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think that yeah, technology is improving. But to my knowledge, is there not like rules like with the you know this core or whatever it is uh, on the on a driver and all this stuff and the ball. Like, there's illegal balls and drivers. I mean, there's got to be some yeah. sort of um, – I think guys are just getting really, really good at the game. Um, and I, I don't know. I think, if anything, just make the course a little bit tighter and we'll fix right. everything. As long as there's still tournaments when, you know, five unders winning, it's still hard. Um, you know, yeah. like Colonial, for example, is a good – you know – like the winner might be eleven under or something. That's not even a sixty round every round. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, you know like uh, well maybe it is there because it was a par seventy, but uh, yeah, I think the game is just fine. I, I mean, I I don't know that it's a problem when you just succeed. I agree. I'm I'm on the same page as you. But I well, I don't agree with just making it nine thousand yards. That's just not. I mean, that's dumb. Yeah. That's I mean, that's just dumb. That's like eliminating the three pointer. Uh, what what do you tell Steph Curry? You know, and just it's like dunking contest or something. Awesome. Well, uh, Taylor, we really appreciate you coming on the show, um, and we're 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 happy to have you. And I'm, I know uh, you know like being a part of wildcat we we like having the brand there and uh we really really like what you guys are doing you guys were one of our first accounts ever we had we had one in california uh one in massachusetts you guys and one in canada were uh, to my knowledge i looked it up our first four and uh that'll never be forgotten <laughs> awesome man well for for those of you guys that are listening uh you guys can follow surf and turf on instagram at surf and turf club uh, all yeah. one word um Anything, uh, any of the last remarks you want to throw in there, Taylor? No, just uh, I hope uh, all the dads have a good Father's Day, and I hope everyone enjoys uh, the U.S. Open in the summer. Yep, awesome. Well, guys, don't forget to uh, hit your breakfast ball this weekend and uh, enjoy the U.S. Open.